Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Two Suspects, written by Gary Sherbell. Sometimes the truth is conveniently irrelevant. There's been a burglary in a luxury co-op in Manhattan. An elderly woman was assaulted in her apartment with jewelry taken. The prime suspect is Johnny Jones, who was in the building around the same time, helping his lawyer, public defender Alan Goldman, moved temporarily into the apartment of his friend, corporate lawyer Tim Wilson. But another suspect soon emerges, a look-alike intruder who got into the building through a basement door with a broken lock. The victim is suing the co-op for millions, represented by her niece, litigator Kathy Collins, Tim's ex-girlfriend. She claims the intruder is guilty, But Tim, the president of the co-op's board, claims Johnny is guilty. If so, the co-op isn't liable at all since he got into the building lawfully. See how lawyers Tim and Kathy behave oh so badly, using sex to influence Alan and ADA Gina Gomez in their handling of Johnny's case to suit their lawsuit ends. It won't be until the very end of this dark comedy mystery that the question will finally be answered, which of the two suspects is guilty? And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Two Suspects. Chapter 1 Dr. Lefkowitz squinted as he examined the big bump on Alan Goldman's upper right thigh. He had a flashlight on it while squeezing it tight to get the best view of it he could an attempt at a visual diagnosis. Not foolproof, but a good start. Alan had told him that he'd had something there for many years, since maybe his mid-twenties, but that in the past month, right after he turned 34, he had first time noticed that it had enlarged to about twice its original size from when he'd first noticed it. Let's take a look, the internist had said, in a reassuring tone. Alan dutifully complied, taking his pants off, reducing him to just his shirt, socks, and jockeys. Now, in the examination room of the doctor's office, he sat before the doctor, who was also seated opposite him, hunched over, intensely focused on the mysterious thing. Yes, Alan was nervous. While he waited for the doctor's professional pronouncement, though, so far, he'd been successful at not letting it show, what was this scary intruder on his otherwise fine, healthy leg? Most likely a tumor. Yes, even he, a non-doctor, could figure that out. But the big question for the doctor to answer, the only one that really mattered, benign or malignant? And if malignant, there were so many other questions. He trusted the doctor, an old friend of his father's. He'd been going to him since he was a teenager, beginning not long after his bar mitzvah, which the doctor had in fact attended. Finally, the doctor took the flashlight away and sat up straight. Alan looked at him expectantly and saw the doctor flash a brief smile, and Alan was relieved. The good news Minnie smiled told him all he needed to know. It's a fatty lipoma, the doctor declared. Ninety-five percent benign. You sure? The doctor understood, not challenging the statistic, just asking about the diagnosis. No offense taken, after all. It was only a visual diagnosis. I've seen dozens of these, the doctor said smugly. In this case, the visual diagnosis was fairly reliable. Alan thinking, okay, but what about that stat? Hmm, 
Ninety-five. That's not a hundred. He was almost smiling, being a bit playful, hardly in a panic over that five percent possibility. From the doctor, a playful smile back. Would you take those odds, counselor? The doctor well knew that Alan was a lawyer, a public defender, taking chances on trials all the time, or opting not to, recommending that his client plead guilty, not taking an unwise chance, always evaluating the odds. So, what's next? Alan asked in a firm voice as he put his pants back on. The doctor didn't hesitate. Surgery. Remove the damn thing. Even if it's benign? Very probably. The doctor gently corrected. Alan understood. They needed to be sure. Besides, the doctor continued, it could keep growing. You want to walk around with a basketball in your leg? Alan laughed to himself. A softball, maybe, but not a basketball. He nodded in agreement. Surgery was in order. How soon? The sooner the better. I'll set it up for next week. How many days in the hospital? Days? How about hours? Day surgery is all you'll need. Really? Alan was surprised. He'd never been overnight in a hospital before. He was pleased that this so far happy medical history wouldn't be changing anytime soon. He added, almost thinking out loud, so I won't need to miss work. You'll be able to get around with a cane for a week or so. But your apartment? The doctor knew that Alan lived in a fifth floor walk-up, no elevator. I guess I'll need to stay somewhere else for a while, he thought for a moment. Too bad my sister just moved to California. The doctor pointed a finger at Alan. And your parents just started a two-month's world cruise and sublet their apartment. Alan looked at him like, how do you know that? The doctor went right to explaining. They asked me first. Of course they would, Alan thought. His parents' apartment was just blocks from the doctor's midtown Manhattan office, while the doctor lived much further away in Greenwich, the Tony, Connecticut suburb. The doctor continued, I told your dad I preferred to stay in Greenwich. Alan nodded, and the doctor went on. You're not at the moment? Uh, well, he was his father's good friend, not to mention his doctor, so he candidly disclosed, without hesitation, No, no one like that at the moment. Just a couple of dates. She does live downtown, near the courts, but I couldn't ask. Plus, I wouldn't want to. It'd send the wrong message. Understood, the doctor responded with a nod. Alan knew that the doctor spoke from dating experience, including some recent learning episodes added on. A half year ago, he was finally divorced after a long separation. As a trim, good-looking doctor, not yet 60, living in posh Greenwich, Alan could only imagine with a certain envy the breadth of his current opportunities to relearn the dating ropes. Wait, Alan said, in a suddenly brightening tone. I know what I'll do, my friend Tim. Oh yes, Tim, the corporate lawyer. How's he doing? Fine, just fine. He's got extra bedrooms, elevated building in Tribeca, right near the courts. I'm sure he'll put me up. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Two Suspects. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.